This morning we continue in our series called I Believe as we look at the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is that statement of faith written around 100 A.D. for two reasons. And before I go into the explanation, can any of you remember the two reasons? Because I'm sure there's some of you who've been here for five weeks of this series thinking, this is how he started every single one. Is he going to do this every week? And the answer is yes. Every single week, just know that this is how I'm going to introduce. And the reason is because I want you, by the end of the series, to be able to know the two reasons why the creed was written. Number one, anybody remember? Why was it written? So people had an idea of what, who God is. Remember, 100 A.D., Christians didn't have the Bible compiled into one big book, leather-bound, where we can flip through it. And so people were wondering, Christians, who, who's God? Here's who God is. And so it allowed them to explain and to teach who God is to people who were wondering. It also, number two, served to combat errors being taught about God. So even in the first century, even 100 A.D., false teachings were being taught about who God is and so the, the pastors, the theologians, came together, wrote this statement of faith, and said, no, you're in error. Here's what the Bible says about God. We believe in God the Father Almighty. Two reasons. Teach about God, combat errors. And for the past several weeks, we've been looking specifically at Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord, who was crucified, died, buried, born of the Virgin Mary. Two weeks ago, we looked at Christmas. Last week, we looked at how he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. And if you weren't here last week, we said that line is the most offensive line in the entire creed. It's offensive because of the reason Jesus was suffering, dying, and being buried. It's because I'm not good when I stand before God. It's because I can't save myself. I need a Savior. The reason offends our intellect and our reasoning because we believe we're good people. But Jesus had to die for us. You can listen to it more if you go back and look on YouTube, our website, our app. So last week was the most offensive phrase. This week is the most important phrase. What happens if you remove the resurrection? What happens for you and me living in the 21st century if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? So what we're going to talk about today as we look at, at how He rose again from the dead. And it's a question that actually is addressed to the Corinthian church. Around 50 A.D., Paul started a church in Corinth and he gathered Christians together. Actually, he gathered people together that weren't Christians, taught them Christianity, built them up, started a church, left, and as he left, false teachings crept into the church, one of them being there's no resurrection. That all there is is 70, 80, 90 years of this life, and there is no resurrection after that. We're destined for the grave, and that's where we will, our final resting place will be. Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the Great Resurrection chapter. Sixty-some verses 
of Paul just talking about the resurrection. And in the verses we look at today, Paul basically says, guys, I don't think you've thought this all the way through. If there's no resurrection, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. And if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, you and I are in big trouble. And so before I get into it anymore, let's read the section of Scripture. We're going to read the whole thing, 12 through 22, and then I'll make some comments here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we have all people. We, have, we are of all people most to be pitied. But if Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have the first fruits, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul says, guys, I don't think you've thought this through. If Christ hasn't been raised, there are six things that happen for us. And he lists six conditional statements. If this, then this. If Christ hasn't been raised, then here's the outcome. And you may be looking at your worship folder thinking, Stephen, there's only five here. You're right. I forgot the sixth one in there. So get ready to write F in when it comes time. Because we're going to look at all six of these. So let's tackle one at a time here. If Christ hasn't been raised, here's what Paul says. If Christ hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless. That's what he says. Our preaching is useless. I have the privilege of standing before you every Sunday and teach you and explain to you God's Word and talk to you about the forgiveness of sins that Jesus won for you, the certain hope that we have of the resurrection. And yet, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, what I do for a living is a complete waste of time. I am wasting the hours of my life putting in the time to get this sermon prepared. I'm wasting my time being here on Sunday morning preaching to you. Our school, which one of the core values is that we believe every child should know the love of Christ, it's useless from that aspect. It's useful for the uh, uh, academics, but as far as leading children to know Jesus, that's a useless task. It's a useless class that we do if Christ hasn't been raised. If Christ hasn't been raised, it's useless for you to invite friends to church here this morning. In fact, you should do the exact opposite. It's almost brutal of you to invite them to an hour of their time on Sunday morning if Christ hasn't been raised. They could be sleeping in or going to Sunday brunch, doing something else. If Christ hasn't been raised, it's useless for you to lead your kids to Jesus. 
It's useless to read the Bible. It's useless to do devotions. It's useless to gather with other Christians because if Christ hasn't been raised, all of this is for nothing. If Christ hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. If Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is useless. Why? If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then he is still in the grave, and all the promises that are connected to Jesus are not true. All of the promises connected to Jesus are not true, so your faith gets you nothing. It doesn't grant you the forgiveness of sins. It doesn't grant you eternal life uh, because it's not connected to a living Savior. If Christ hasn't been raised, I am one that, I'm like one that sells fake stocks, and you are like one who buys fake stocks. It's useless. It's pointless. If Christ hasn't been raised. If Christ hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless, our faith is useless, and Christians are liars. Christians are liars. Notice what Paul says. He says, we are, li- we are those who testify, who witness that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And so if he's not raised from the dead, then we're a bunch of liars. Then Paul's a liar. Then the 11 disciples are liars. Then the women on Sunday morning who claim to see the risen Savior are also liars. Paul, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, says that 500 people at one time saw Jesus risen from the dead. But if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, all 500 people, liars. Then think of the millions of people that have believed the lie that Jesus is risen from the dead, including you and me. We've believed the lie, we have shared the lie. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. And this isn't a light thing. In biblical times, do you know what the penalty was for somebody testifying falsely about God, for being a false prophet? Death. Execution. So Paul's saying, look, if if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then I'm a false prophet and I deserve to die. That's how serious this is. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, our preaching is useless, faith is useless, and Christians are liars. And you are still responsible for your sins. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, we are still in our sins. That's a big problem for you and me. A very big problem. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, you and I are responsible for standing before God and trying to defend ourselves for all of our sin. Do you know what picture we should think of with sin? Missing the mark. So archery, you've got your bow and arrow, you've got uh, your darts, if you want to think of it as darts, and God says, hit the bullseye of perfection. And we try, boom, and we miss the mark. 
We go left, we go right, we go down, we go up. We miss the mark of perfection. That's sin. Transgression is knowing where the line is. God says, don't cross this line. And we say, I see the line, God, but I don't care. I'm going to transgress, go across. Sin, transgression, separate us from God. If you wonder why we can't see God right now, it's because our sin separates us from Him. Hell is eternal separation from God. That's what sin does. And you and I will still be responsible for our sins if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. Then we have reason to feel guilt. Then we have reason to feel shame. Then we have reason to feel inadequate because we are when we stand before God because we don't have perfection. And that's what it takes to stand in the presence of a holy God. Perfection. Hitting the bullseye every single time. And if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, we are responsible for all the times we miss. Death is in the world because of sin. I think sometimes we, we get those two mixed up. That, that death is the, the root of our problem and sin just happens to be a symptom. No, but it's, it's the other way around. Death is in the world because of sin. You remove sin, death is gone. It's like an, an ear infection. You have ear, your ear rings and it hurts. Why? Because there's an infection in your ear. You remove the infection, the symptom goes away. The same is true with sin and death. Death is in the world as a symptom of the root problem of sin. And if we remove the root problem of sin, the consequence is also removed. But if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead and He's still in the tomb, what does that mean? Sin hasn't been taken care of. Then you and I are like the, the uh, man or woman on death row, guilty of all charges and deserving of the penalty of death if Christ hasn't been raised then our preaching is useless your faith is useless Christians are liars you are still responsible for your sins and we have no hope we have no hope then you truly do live 70 to 80 to 90 years and the grave is your end and so keep it going for as long as you can but the grave will eventually overtake each and every one of us, and that's it. There's no hope of a heavenly home. There's no hope of being re, uh, reunited with loved ones. There's no hope of seeing God. Because then the grave is our end. And finally, if, oh, I forgot, I only have five up there. Uh, here's the F. Here's what you've got to put in. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, we are to be pitied, Paul says. We are to be pitied. Why? Because Christians do what? They live for Jesus. 
we fight temptations and sinful desires because of Jesus. We reprioritize our schedule to be in church on Sunday morning for Jesus. We meet together during the week with other Christians to gather together to learn about Jesus. But if he's in the grave, then we're reorienting our lives for a dead man. Consider this. Uh, maybe think of it this way. One of the biggest singers to die in, in recent years is Prince. So let's just take Prince, for example. Imagine if there's a group of people that every Saturday morning met at a concert venue and listened to Prince music. And then in the middle of the concert, someone stands up and talks about all the things that Prince said while he was alive. And then to end the, the service or the concert, they listen to a few more Prince songs. And then you, you want to hang out with this person on Saturday morning, and they say, you know what, I'd love to do that, but can we do it in the afternoon because I've got my Prince thing in the morning. I've got to go to my Prince concert. Okay. And then what about during the week? How about Wednesday night? Can we get together on Wednesday? Well, no, I've got my small group that talks about everything that Prince says, and we sing a Prince song too during the week. I think we'd say you know that guy's dead, right? He had some great music. He said probably some great things. I don't know. But Prince is gone. If Christ hasn't been raised, we are that person. If Christ hasn't been raised, he's still in the, in the tomb. Our hope is gone. He's not a living Savior. And we gather together for no purpose, if Christ hasn't been raised. Then we deserve pity, because we have no hope, we're still responsible for our sins, we reorient our lives for this Jesus guy who's still in the tomb. If Christ hasn't been raised, Christianity comes undone. But, Christ has been raised. He has been raised from the dead, Paul says. And so your last point, the resurrection gives us a certain victory. Christ has been raised from the dead, Paul says. He has been raised from the dead. Some may not believe it. Some may deny it. But the fact is, Jesus rose from the dead. That is what He did. He died on Good Friday and he rose on Easter Sunday. When he died on Good Friday, he paid for each and every one of your sins, and when he rose on Easter morning, God put an exclamation point behind Jesus' last words, it is finished, so that you know that your salvation is complete. Death has been conquered because sin, the root problem, has been taken care of. Jesus paid for it all. And because the root problem was taken care of by Jesus, death gave Jesus up. Had no choice because it's been conquered. And that is such good news for you and me. It brings us a certain victory over an enemy that is so powerful, that is so scary, because it's all around us, isn't it? We see death on the news. We see death as we look online. We see death in our own communities. 
It's all around us, and it's big and scary, but Christ gives us the victory. Uh, a couple weekends ago, Ann and I took Lily to the Austin Zoo. Uh, if you've never been to the Austin Zoo, it's a pretty small zoo. It's actually perfect size for us because Lily's at two and a half, uh, two hours there, and she's ready to go home, and so are we. We're pretty exhausted by that time. But so we went to the Austin Zoo, and we rode the train. We fed goats. We fed the ugly alpacas. Uh, we fed the donkeys. We saw the snakes and the frogs and the turtles. But then there were four, the monkeys, the tigers, the bears, and the lions, that I will not forget what Lily said to me. I walked up, I, I was holding her, I wa- we walked up to the exhibit, and I put her on the railing, stood her up on the railing, and I was still holding her, but I could feel her body tense at each exhibit. And at each one, she looked at the animal and then looked up at me and said, Daddy, it hurt me. And I said, no, baby girl, that animal can't hurt you. Yes, it's big, it's growling, because the lions were growling. It's growling, it looks fierce, but that animal can't hurt you. You're safe. And then her body relaxed, and you could feel the fear remove from her. Death is scary. And we see it all around us, and we cry out to Jesus, Jesus, it hurt me. And Jesus says, no, my child. Death is big. It's scary. It growls. It looks fierce. But death can't hurt you any longer because I've conquered it. Because I rose from the dead. Your sins are paid for. You have a certain victory over death. I will raise you back to life because I've risen from the dead. Paul says that Jesus is the first fruits, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's back to that down payment type mentality where we put a down payment down on a house with the guarantee that more is coming. God says, I've raised Jesus from the dead as the first fruits, guaranteeing there's more to come. Who's the more to come? You, me, and everyone. And those who believe in Jesus will go to heaven to see their God face to face and live with Him for eternity. The resurrection gives you and me a certain victory and it changes everything. Now, we have hope. Not just a, well gee, I I hope it happens. No, a certain eager expectation of being with Jesus forever in heaven because He rose from the dead. The grave is not our end. And why do we have that certain hope? Because when he died on the cross, he paid for all our sins. We are no longer responsible for any of them. Jesus paid for them all. There's no guilt in life, no fear in death like we sang. This is the power of Christ in me. As you stand before God, you are adequate, not because of all the good you've done, but because of what Christ has done for you. Our sins have been paid for. We are not liars. We tell the truth because Christ has been raised from the dead. Our faith isn't useless. It's the most powerful thing we have because it connects us to the living Savior 
who promises you that you are forgiven, who promises you that he is with you always, who promises you that he's working all things for your good, who promises you that he will raise you back to life. And finally, our preaching isn't useless. It's the most important thing we can do. Your careers will end. Sports will end. Your hobbies will end. But your relationship with your Savior will last for eternity. And the same is true for your kids. And so our preaching isn't useless. It has eternal impact because we get to tell people about the risen Savior who's conquered the grave, who's conquered sin. And we know it because He's risen from the dead. It's the most important phrase in the entire creed because without Jesus rising from the dead, everything else comes undone. But Christ did rise from the dead. He's the first fruits over all creation. And so we confess, we believe in Jesus Christ who rose again on the third day. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for giving us a certain victory. Victory over sin, victory over death. On our own, uh, we can't conquer sin. We'd be responsible and guilty of all charges, but you took those charges and paid for it at the cross so that we stand forgiven before our holy God. You've brought us into a good relationship with him, and now you've conquered the grave. And so as we go through this life and, and we get filled with fear, Help us to remember that death can't hurt us anymore because you promise that when we fall asleep in death, you will wake us again as you rise, raise us from the dead to live with you forever in heaven. We thank you for what you've done for us. Help us to tell more and more people about the good news of your resurrection. Because of it, it has literally changed the world. We thank you for changing our lives. Help us to go out and change lives with the message of your res- resurrection. In your name we pray. Amen.